Improving health literacy, the ability to understand and act on health information, is key to improving health outcomes and lowering costs. Welcome to the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogix where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. For show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogix.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Seth Serksner, Chief Health Officer at EdLogix. I'm here today to talk about health literacy and the evolution of health equity with Tom Chamberlain, the CEO and founder of EdLogix, a health literacy and engagement platform. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here, Seth. So let's dig into it. Let's have a conversation here. We know each other quite a while, but just talk to me a little bit about EdLogix and, you know, kind of the vision. What is it and what made you think of it? Sure. Yeah. It started back in my early part of my career when I got my doctorate of pharmacy specializing in family practice and then did a postdoc fellowship in ambulatory care. So I was treating a lot of my own patients with chronic conditions, a lot of minority underserved communities, which is hot right now, but low health literacy was really one of the biggest challenges I had to get good outcomes, to have them follow the treatment plan and their medication adherence. And so That was always an issue that I had as an area that I wanted to try to figure out how to address. And about 10 years ago, I came out of retirement and started EdLogix with the goal being, I think, with technology that had changed considerably with the introduction of gamification. So corporations were starting to talk about using gamification, points, leaderboards, badges, incentives to educate their employee and their workforce on safety issues or customer service, I thought we could apply gamification and multimedia and bringing complicated health topics down to a level where individuals could start to understand their disease state and their role in helping to manage their therapies. And so that's kind of how we came about with starting a company called EdLogix, Education Logics. That was one of the hard things. What do we call this? So we really wanted to build a company based on those principles. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even though you say that, even today, we still get this teeny little printout when you get your medications at the pharmacy or whatever, really hard to read. So, you know, it's still needed. You know, you touched on a few things, though, that I want to talk about with you. We've been kicking this around for a while, something that we call this evolution from health literacy 1.0 to 2.0. And the 1.0 is kind of what you were talking about, just kind of brochureware, straightforward. Maybe it's a little easier to read, maybe some pictures, but it's pretty straightforward stuff where maybe even your doc, your pharmacist is just drawing a little picture, but it's not very sophisticated. We're talking about leveraging just what you said, a number of different things to get us to what we're calling 2.0. We're talking about the gamification and use of behavioral science. We're talking about data and the ability to really personalize experience and leverage what people are searching for. And then we are moving to this dynamic content. People seem to like to learn by YouTube and videos and podcasts and infographics. And some then ultimately will read articles and like to do more of a curriculum, but different styles for different people. 
So those three areas really lead us to this health literacy piece. How would you say kind of EdLogic seems to me they embody all of that health literacy 2.0 in an enclosed engagement platform? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, no, you hit the key areas and it's kind of how we really start. Our vision was health literacy 2.0 because those pamphlets, education has never worked. And, you know, it still hasn't got the attention until recently, health literacy is becoming really hot. And one of those pillars, including, you mentioned behavioral science, behavioral economics more specifically as well. So how do we incentivize people so that they want to get on a platform and start learning? So making it fun through the pillars of gamification, making it fun, making it personalized, using data so that we can personalize the experience, knowing what we know about that individual, that they're a male, that they're younger or older male, that they have an interest in a certain area. So if we can personalize the user experience, incorporate unique incentives, so there's a what's in it for me to take advantage of this resource when I got a hundred other things going on. That's the challenge that we're competing with is limited time. And so we've been able to take advantage of all the changes that have happened in the marketplace around technology and put together a platform that is sold to an employer or to a university, or in the case of recently in the last few years, out in the community through a philanthropic nonprofit strategy to change behavior throughout a community. Yeah, that's a great place to kind of take a moment here because I did mention in the beginning health equity, and we know that this is such an important issue. And for me, I've been talking about health equity as a function of a lot of different things. When people say health equity, they talk about maybe health disparities, that people are getting services based on kind of unconscious and conscious biases. Some people, you know, of different backgrounds are getting different levels of services. Then we know that there are social determinants of health that affect people's health equity, things like lack of food, housing, transportation. There's also then health literacy that's a big factor in this. What we're seeing is that whether it's a commercial employer, whether it's a health plan, a health system, or community-based organizations, county or non-governmental agencies, they all want the community. They see that as a very important piece to this overall improvement in health equity. And it seems like they've been grappling with, can we improve housing? Can we improve food access? Which are very important and they are big lifts. But it seems as though health literacy is one of the areas that they're starting to say, hey, this is something we can really do something on. We can see the impact as people improve their knowledge and their awareness and their skills and actually see a behavior shift in the community. How's that playing out? For example, you said it, you know, we've got the Healthy Road 757 going on. What's some examples of what that's looking like now? Yeah, it's interesting. The multi-stakeholder initiative that we have called Healthier 757 involves employers. So the employers, as you said, they're volunteering. They're, they're trying to build a healthier community. They're trying to get beyond the walls of their organization. There's a move in that direction anyway, because I think people are realizing that a healthy community is advantageous to employers in that community because they're the employed population. So they're coming in with better understanding of their role in managing their health, less costly from a claims perspective, more productive. 
So they're less absent, have better presenteeism. So I think what's happening is that employers are realizing that a healthy community is not only improving the health outcomes, but it's also addressing economic prosperity for a region. And when companies are looking to move to a region, expand their operations, they are looking at health literacy in that geographic region because they're not going to move to an area that has low health literacy. It costs too much. It's tougher to hire good employees. So yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's an important part that's happening. Like when Amazon moved to Virginia, Northern Virginia, health literacy was part of the equation that they were evaluating. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. So both as kind of the sales pitch from the Chamber of Commerce, so to speak, to say, hey, we've got an informed population. We're doing things for our people. So move your employees here. That's going to be a good experience. Hey, Tom, let's drill down on each of the three areas that I talked about on health literacy and start with the gamification as the first piece of it, that behavioral science, behavioral economics. I know when I've seen the Logics platform that at first it seems almost like very simple and almost like too basic. You know, it really does look like the scratch cards that I buy at the mini mart and it really does have those games. But what I have to remember is that they're fun. People do them across all types of ages and incomes and everything else. Talk about why you think that approach, the scratchers and the games and all that stuff, why is that working so well? You see, you have some really good engagement numbers on the platform. And there's kind of two areas. Gamification is points and leaderboards and badges and leveling up increasing your odds that really allow them to win incentives, whether it's gift cards, parking space next to the front door, or cash incentives, whatever it might be, and we can do all of those. So gamification is important, but game-based learning is a little different, is how do you take evidence-based content that we know they need to understand to better manage their high blood pressure, their diabetes, their respiratory asthma or COPD, and then turn that into game-based learning, simple games. Because we often hear, I'm not a gamer. And then they come back and say, well, your games are not really like I was envisioning. These are simple games, drag and drop, the column on the left and the column on the right, or beat the clock where they match different things like a concentration type of game. And so they're simple games that we learn back in the second and third grade, really. So game-based learning is making it fun so people are not reading an article and they're getting the key parts of that article that really matter. What is HDL, the good cholesterol, or the bad cholesterol? What's a good hemoglobin A1C? All of those things they can learn in various games. And then you can also have repeating the content in the various games. What I also liked about it was on some of those questions, it says, how many people knew the answer to this or not, right? And some of them was like, you know, everybody, 90% knew this answer and I didn't, or I did too. But then the tougher ones, it's good to see that some other people didn't know that answer either. And then of course, when it's revealed, you give the extra information. So I also liked, I guess, what we call in social science, social comparison theory. People like to kind of know where they fit, how they compare to everybody else. It's kind of fun to compete. It's also kind of just fun to know, hey, yeah, this is everybody else is also don't know that difference between that HDL and the LDL or whatever it might be. So I thought that was a very clever 
thing to kind of make it real for me to see how many people are playing this game and where they fit as well. Yeah, where they stack up and how they compete because they're competing to climb the leaderboard. They understand how they fared as well on certain issues compared to their colleagues. And also this teamwork. So in our clients, many of our clients form these teams, 30 teams with 20 people on a team, and they compete over a period of a month on a particular area. And how many people get the most points, get all get a financial incentive. So there's a first place team, a second place team, and a third place team. And you know that if I'm playing on your team and I'm not carrying my weight and you're in second place and I'm on the bottom, you can kind of nudge me and say, come on, Tom, we need your help because it's an average across the team. So there's some pretty creative ways and that's kind of gamification too through teamwork. Absolutely. Yeah. Team competitions are really helpful. So let's talk about that second one that kind of starts to fit into it. So the use of data for me, it has two kind of pieces. I'll call it the front end and the back end. So the front end is personalization. And I want you to talk about that. The back end is how the employer or a health plan or a provider uses that data to gain insights, as well as, uh, you know, EdLogix uses it to make their system better. So talk about the first one first, personalization. How does that data help, you know, me? What does that mean, personalization? Everybody talks about it. Yeah, so on the front end, on onboarding, we ask questions. So we have information about your age, your gender, your interest. You know, do you have an interest in diabetes? It's not taking claims data. It's HIPAA protected, highly secure. But we know that you might have an interest in breast cancer because you have a relative that has breast cancer and you want to know more. We have a grandfather that had a stroke. So we'll push that information out so we can personalize the experience based upon the data that we know about the user. And we can also track the patterns and what their interests are and become smarter and more personalized in our experience. On the back end, we can take that data and share it with our clients. We can tell them what are their employees most interested in? What's the topics? Obviously, coronavirus shot to number one, where anxiety went from, I think, 42 to number two. And addiction went up during the pandemic. So it's real-time information not a year old lagging data around claims. And so we can take that information through their brokers or directly to their HR people and design educational programs based upon what their interests are, what their needs are, or what they responded to in the way of a custom survey. So all that data allows us to kind of personalize the employer's capabilities and also on the front end, the experience from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I think it's only going to increase as well the more data you get. So at this point, it's eligibility and personalized upfront onboarding, but it might include health risk assessment data at some point, might include claims data, as you said, and some of the other things. So let's go to the third pillar, which to me is just incredible that it's taking this long to be used in this way, given that everybody else is using YouTubes and videos, but talk about the dynamic content, talk about videos and infographics and curriculum and different types of content that you apply on the platform. Yeah. So we have lots of different content, as you know, we have like 85 different modules. So we have great content topics and dynamic interactive content. We talked about game-based learning, but we supplement that with video, interactive video reading 
other ways to learn because everyone learns different ways. Some people like to read, other people like to watch video, other people like fun engagement. So we're able to take that information and build content and then engage them in game-based learning that we can really drive them to the next level. So that content we can replicate in different media. So they'll learn from the video. We reinforce it from the games, reinforce it from our quizzes and even some of our survey capabilities. So that dynamic content that we have, we're able to, through a scratch card, for example, that's a cool thing, one scratch card per day. They ask a question and if they wanna learn more, they can pull in our content from a third party. We don't build all the content. Our team builds most of the content, but we pull in third party content at times to make it more robust. Yeah, for example, I know I've seen a lot I think it's really powerful around the medications. Maybe this is your bias being a PharmD, but you can go to that. I don't forget what you call it, but I can see a pharmacist in a video explaining to me all about the medication that I'm taking. So even though they might've explained it to me when I got it picked up at the drugstore, I was kind of in a hurry and whatever, wasn't taking notes, but now I can come and hear a nice explanation again of the whole thing, right? What do you call that module or how does that work? Virtual pharmacist. Virtual yeah. pharmacist, exactly. Yeah. And you yeah. get that access to a virtual pharmacist through the medication library, not just medications, like what is their anti-diabetic drug? So it'll be, you mentioned the tiny little paper you get from the pharmacist. It's a huge paper, yeah, a right. tiny print, but- this is basically a virtual package insert, what they call it. So it, they kind of go through all the key issues of that medication, but also how to use medications, how to use an inhaler, how to inject insulin. So it's not just the drug yes. itself, but it's how to use the medications or the devices. But that's a, another way to do it. People don't understand by reading how to inject insulin. They understand by seeing it. Totally. So that demonstration of how to use a peak flow meter or how to... All of those things are, again, classic health education tools, but we've just not leveraged that technology. So we've got, you know, a whole array of kind of potential audiences here. What do we recommend? Let's start with employers. What do we recommend employers take away? How do they start to implement this kind of health literacy approach? Well, one thing around implement this health literacy approach is very simple, very sensitive to the time it takes from an eight busy HR department. So it's easy to implement. Our team does all the heavy lifting. So we find out what their needs are, what their priorities are. And once we've got that information, we can configure it and customize it and implement it within 30 days. So that's something that's really a valuable benefit that we have. So yeah. really being able to identify and drive utilization and awareness of other resources is a key thing. So as an employer, one of their biggest challenges, how do I get people to sign up for Teladoc? Or how do I get them to use the EAP program or the mental health counseling service? So we can educate people on those different resources through our game-based learning, working with the vendors to teach them about the benefits of telemedicine. And then we can drive them to learn more about Teladoc and then sign up. So one of our big benefits is education about resources, increasing awareness, getting them to that site so we can drive utilization and better outcomes. 
Yeah, I think you're touching on a really important point, which is the complex benefits ecosystem in an employer world. And most employers are saying, I've got a lot of different things. I need a quote front door. I need one simple place for people to go. And this engagement platform can serve for that and then promote others. And we've seen the outcomes of that. Or you can play well with others and be part of it. I'm also thinking that employers can work with their brokers and consultants and other kind of strategic partners to say, to ask for this when they're doing an RFP, when they're looking at their population health and their claims data to say, okay, here's a gap here. So consider including it in RFP, consider talking to your existing partners about whether they have these capabilities and whether they would work with an EdLogix type partner to do health literacy. How about the community players out there? You've talked about this. I loved that the multi-stakeholder approach. If I'm in the community, I'm a nonprofit or I'm a government agency or I'm a politician of some sort trying to make something happen, how do they go about trying to drive greater health literacy? So, and we'll get into that on a separate podcast in more detail because it's yeah. a big opportunity and there's a lot of moving parts. Very complicated, as you know, to build a healthier mm-hmm. community. You can't do it without technology. It can't scale. Right. And so we have to have the right partners, the right messaging, public relations, marketing, getting to the consumer through radio, television, through newsletters, through social media. So there's a whole range of strategies that we'll get into on our next podcast on how we do that. Okay. But we got to yeah. get into the living room or the individuals, where they, meet them where they're at, so that we can educate them on the same platform that's being used by employers in that same region. The reason why an employer would buy the platform, A, they are investing in their employees. They want to have their own data. They want to have their own incentives and they want to have their own messaging capabilities because they're trying to change the behavior of that employee population around that business objective in the community. That's not really necessary, but we're trying to just drive good health outcomes. And we do drive them to resources in the community. How many communities have great resources and no one knows about them? So our platform can increase awareness of where they can get help in the community. Yeah. So you're teeing it up. So I think we've covered a lot of ground here. I think, you know, our big themes around health literacy 2.0 with gamification and data and dynamic content talked a little bit about employers and kind of how this is implemented and some good examples. So I would say if people have questions, please go to edlogics.com for more. I've also written a white paper on this very topic. And again, you can get access to that through the website at edlogics.com. And we look forward to presenting more of this content with you in future podcasts. So Tom, thanks a lot. It's always great talking to you. Yeah. Hope you well. Always do. And I might add the title of your white paper is Health Literacy 2.0, A Path to Health Equity. A great white paper. You did a great job on that. Yeah, thank you. So appreciate that. Spending time with you and sharing some of our thoughts and strategies to improve health outcomes and reduce healthcare costs and help employers retain by having smarter, happier, healthier employees. Excellent. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us today on the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogix, where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. Remember, for show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogix.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe and share the show with your colleagues. Thanks and see you soon.